Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi. This is going to be fun because I really don't know if the listeners will be able to tell us apart. You know, honestly, I was wondering the same thing myself. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Um. Anyway, hi, Annette. Hi. My, hi. my daughter, how are yeah. you? I'm well and safe in my house south of the river. <laughs> right. Um, we are recording this for I'm Not That Old Lady podcast, so you will be recorded. Yep. Do I have your permission to do that? Yes, you do. Okay. And yes, we've been watching the riots because we are close to the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. We're just south of there. And it's very sad. It is very sad. Man. I just, anyway. Okay, so let's get started. You are the eldest of the daughters because I started pretty young and you are my daughter and I'm the producer, so I get to pick who goes first. Sounds good to me. Okay, and the listeners are going to want to know where you guys are coming from. So I'm going to ask all four daughters the same questions. You're listening to I'm Not That Old Lady. And you're going to hear some maybe thunder in the background because it's been a stormy night here in Minnesota and actually it's unfortunately been a pretty stormy week and everybody knows by now the unrest and pain that has been happening in Minnesota and across the country and around the world and um it kind of got me thinking about what we're teaching our children. And I wanted to talk to the daughters about that. And we're going to start with my daughter, Annette. I don't know, I'm just really melancholy about it. I'm so sad and I'm so pained. And I just don't understand all of this history of the pain and the oppression and 400 years of pain. I just, what has that done to our children? First question, do you see your parents as role models? I do, and in a few different ways. I think that with having parents that are boomers, they've really shown me what it looks like to have a really strong work ethic. Um, you know, both you and dad and Bob um, work very hard for, you know, to make your living and to provide for your family, uh, namely me, because I'm kind of the shared child between both sides. You're the only one, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, both, all three of you have really, you know, busted your butts to, you know, make your lives comfortable, to you know, sustain your homes, and to ensure that I got every opportunity that could be had. 
So that has certainly been a role model, um, you know, not maybe not so much in my adolescence, but certainly in my adult life, once I really started having my own children, it really became, you know, an example of, you know, this is kind of what you do. You have children, you want to have a life, you work for it. You know, nobody's really going to hand it to you by no means. So certainly don't expect that, but, you know, it definitely gives you kind of that goal to work towards and so far it's paying off. So that's definitely been one way that, um, you know, my parents have certainly been a role model. Another one that um, has been a really strong example is just how strong of a love that, you know, my parents have for our family and not just me but for siblings and for your parents and nieces and nephews and things of that nature you know you and dad and bob countless times have dropped what you're doing to help a family member in need um so that's definitely been an example of you know ways to go about life, you know, working hard to care for your family, working hard to enjoy life, working, you know, really having that strong family connection and family love. So those have definitely been um, ways that you guys have been role models for me and an unusual way that my biological parents have specifically been role models is well, frankly, I have a father and I have a stepfather. That means my parents are divorced. But where you guys really set the bar is the way you've managed to be so adult about it, you know, never being nasty, never speaking ill of each other in general, but more specifically around me when I was a child, when I was an adult, you know, that was certainly something to respect and look up to and certainly set an example of what to do for my divorce. So those are definitely ways that you guys have been an example of a role. Sorry, my cat is trying to trip me and kill me. Um, (laughs) For those who don't know, I have a kitten that's about three and a half months and very mischievous (laughs) mischievous <laughs> they're yeah they are at three and a half months <laughs> yes they are and she likes to run at my feet while I'm trying to walk across the room or even up or down the stairs I'm talking about you yes I am she's adorable too she is adorable well and and the listeners do have to know that your father and I were married young yeah uh we had you young well your father's yeah five years older than I am but I mean I got married at 20 and I got I had you at 21 and I was an infant I was a child so I didn't handle that well and then we got divorced and then we got remarried and then we got re-divorced and that's it but despite the yes it's strange and yes it kind of is fodder for humor the fact of the matter remains that despite being married and divorced and remarried and re-divorced you still manage to maintain a high level of civility between the two of you and with me and with the other sides of the family and 
you know, the fact that my Catholic grandparents still had significant amount of love for you just really attests to that ability of just being civil and human and kind and nice and realizing, you know what, yeah, it didn't work out, but that doesn't mean we have to be mean and nasty. You know, there's still a lot of admirable qualities, you know, that you, each of you had for the other. And that's something to be respected that you were able to hold on to it and not be bitter that, you know, it, sometimes things don't work out, but that's okay. We can still survive and move forward and still go about it in a healthy manner. So it certainly was beneficial for me growing up, despite the fact that, you know, my parents were divorced, but it was still good because, you know, at least my parents weren't in a marriage and unhappy, you know, they were able to, you know, accept, you know, okay, it's not working. So let's figure out a way to be better. Well, that means being apart, but that's okay because you guys still manage to co-parent very effectively, sometimes to my frustration. But <laughs> if, oh, I was yeah. in trouble, if I was in trouble with one, I was in trouble with the other, and that included grandparents as well. Yes. Dang it, those adults do actually talk. <laughs> yes, we do, and we're a pack. We're a pack, and we work together. Oh, yes. you, you didn't have a chance to do <laughs> no, there, there was no playing sides for me. It nope. it it didn't work out. Nope. Oh well, it didn't. Oh well. <laughs> You're better for it. I am actually. I am very much better for it because again, it. I mean, unfortunately, you know, no. I was married myself, and I'm sure that'll be discussed later on with subsequent questions. My cat just passed out. Um, but I mean, it certainly set an example of you know how to go about it in a healthy way and to keep, you know, the psychological health of the children really at the forefront of a person's mind. And, you know, I might have been willing to make certain concessions and agreements. Unfortunately, the other side didn't seem to, and that's the way it is. But growing up with the examples that you two set for me, it kind of showed me that, you know, there are more important things at play, namely children. So it, it really was a, an unusual way, but still an effective role model for me for the divorce that ended up happening in my life. So was that the most difficult time in your life so far? Which? The divorce, yours? Mine? Um, yes. Um, that was the time leading up to the divorce as well as basically the recovery time afterwards were very challenging. Um, you know, nobody really gets married with the sole intention of divorcing later on, but unfortunately um, circumstances played out in a certain way that made me realize that the marriage could no longer continue. And uh, so you know, leading up to that decision was certainly challenging and difficult, you know, because I had these two children, two very young children. One was just over three and a half, and the second was barely four months. And, you know, it, it's a very difficult decision to make by all means, but at the time was a very necessary one. So it was very a very difficult time in my life, basically that whole block of my 20s, because like my mother, I too got ma married very young. I actually beat her by a year on both accounts. 
mm-hmm. married at 19 and had my firstborn 12 days after my 20th birthday. Mm-hmm. So, um, and just unfortunately, due to decisions that were made on my behalf at the time, you know, I didn't have my family with me, unfortunately. And so just trying to navigate being a newlywed and a new mother all within the same year was uh, very difficult, very challenging, um, you know, not really knowing what to do and unfortunately not really having anybody at the time to really turn to and just really trying to figure it out on my own and making that decision that, you know what, that just isn't working the way it should and this is just so not turning out to be a very healthy situation and, uh, you know, to be brutally honest, you know, my marriage was not a very safe place and was abusive and led to or played a part in the difficulty of that era for me and really led me to the decision to find a healthier option, which thankfully turned out to be back home with my family and my dearest friends who really were the rock that got me regrounded, that really helped me rediscover myself as not only a new mom, so to speak, but my own person again, and really helped me through my healing process to really kind of get back to who I was, kind of, you know, obviously I can't be truly back to who I was beforehand, but certainly a much healthier person who had a lot more love and respect for myself because you know what Mm. damn it Mm -hmm. I deserve it Mm. so Mm -hmm. that's kind of it was definitely a difficult time for me but uh, getting through it was certainly by the hands of my parents and at times my grandparents and my dearest friends who just would stop everything and just kind of sit there and be a shoulder for me to cry on for me to somebody to yell and scream and get all my frustrations out and I don't think I would be in quite the good place that I'm at now without them honestly Mm, I agree so what are you most proud of um a lot of things I'm very proud of my ability to persevere you know, for a lot of women being in that type of situation, it's terrifying to not only make the decision to leave, but to stay gone. Uh, It's very, very terrifying. So, you know, the ability to make that decision and stick to my guns and, you know, go home and just persevere and survive basically because so many women don't and I'm one of the lucky ones that was actually able to and come out on the other end stronger and able to hold my head high again and all at the same time raising two beautiful intelligent young ladies who I have no doubt will themselves grow into strong young women And I don't know if they would have actually had that opportunity had I not Mm -hmm. made the decision that I made Mm -hmm. to come home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. I mean, just those two things alone, just my ability to overcome and put one foot in the other every day and keep getting up every morning and 
being there for my kids and just watching them grow into these wonderful young ladies has given me such pride, such pride. Yes, and well-deserved. So if you could change anything about your life, would you? Honestly, as strange as it sounds, and after, you know, kind of explaining briefly what my 20s were like, I don't think I would actually, because despite how difficult that time was, it has also played such a crucial and integral role in the person that I am today and the person my, or the people my children are today and the women that they will eventually grow to be. You know, I don't think any of that might have happened if, you know, any of that had happened. So it's it's hard for me to say if I would want to change it or not. Okay, that's fair. Do you think, and and this is going to be a real interesting question for all the daughters, but do you think kids these days have it easier than your parents did? Um, I purposefully tried to not listen to Marva, Marva or Tina quite yet, just so I could try to have an untainted opinion and answer. Um, so in in many ways, I would have to agree with at least Susie in saying that, yes, um, children today do have a little bit more difficult time than our parents did as teenagers. Granted, you know, with kids today, there's technology that kind of helps make it easier for them to access information. But at the same time, it's kind of become a crutch, you know, for children using technology as, you know, babysitters. And, you know, one of the things that Susie mentioned, which is very poignant, is the social media and the cyberbullying that takes place nowadays. You know, she's she hit the nail on the head. You know, back in the day, bullying took place at school, in the hallway, stealing lunch money, you know, being picked on, on on the bus. I know it happened to me at least once, and Susie's dad didn't have that. He was not going to abide that because this was back in the day when Bud was my bus driver. That's so fantastic. <laughs> you know, he was not, he, he did not tolerate that kind of nonsense. And the fact that it was a da- daughter of his daughter's best friend, he is certainly not going to abide that. Um <laughs> But, you know, it ended, it would end there. I'd get off the bus and I'd go home and there'd be no more bullying. And even my experiences were bully- with bullying as a child were minimal. I mean, nowhere near what some other children, unfortunately, have to go through. Well, they shouldn't have to, but they do. But now there's text messages and Twitter posts and TikTok and Snapchat, you know, children, people on the internet, not even so much children, but people on the internet have feel this courage because it's not face to face and they can really be that extra nasty level that's just so not completely warranted. And yeah, in that regard, you know, children do have it harder now that, you know, there's more pressure at younger ages to experiment with drugs, to experiment with alcohol, to experiment with sex, unfortunately. And I, you know, I, I'm sure some of those pressures may have been, you know, may have been evident 
you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, but it kind of seems to me that nowadays it just seems to be a little bit more extreme with pressures of doing all of these different things, you know, the drugs and the sex and the alcohol. And, you know, you have to start having these conversations with your children at such earlier and earlier ages. You know, I'm sure back in the day it was, you didn't really have to start having those conversations until they were in their teens somewhere, but it seems oh, like no, now we didn't have the conversation. Oh, well, oh no, there was no conversation. My mother never told me about that. Absolutely not. No. No, we figured that shit out on our own. <laughs> and we we did it all wrong. All wrong. See, and that's one of the things about being a boomer is you've got, you know, Depression-era babies raising these kids in a life that our parents knew know nothing about. I mean, the music's different. Everything's different. The drugs yeah. are different. The culture is different. The pressures are different. They just have absolutely no idea. And they didn't talk about this kind of shit when they were kids. So they're certainly not going to talk to their children about it because, well, we figured it out. They'll figure it out. So when you're coming into the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s, um, I mean, my my parents' generation were, were caught on the back foot because it was like, well, I mean, we don't know anything about that. and My kids aren't going to do that. And, we've got work to do and we've got to go to school and we've got to do that. You know, in my mother's case, cause she was always in school. My dad was always working and on the road and my brothers didn't give a shit about me. And so we, you know, my generation figured this out as we went along. So in my case, and I know certainly in my friends cases, we and collectively decided that our children are not going to figure this out on their own. We are going to discuss this. We are going to bring this up. We are going to share our experiences. So Mm -hmm. our daughters don't have to, Mm. I don't want to say make the mistakes we did. I don't want, I didn't want you specifically to have to go through the trauma and, and the really embarrassing episodes and mistakes, honestly, mistakes that we made. It was important because my mother never mentioned any of this stuff. She didn't know. And I don't think, you know, I don't think she knew the language to even broach the subject. As intelligent as my mother is and as extensive as her vocabulary is, she never mentioned it. So that's that's why you got the, all the discussion and all the late night talks and all of this stuff. I mean, I, oh, I very told you frank things. conversation. <laughs> well, yeah, very frank conversations yeah. because you know you're going to be curious about it, and yeah. I'm somebody's got to tell you. And if you can't hear it from me, then you're going to hear it from somebody who doesn't have the information quite right, and yeah. that's going to be a misinformation misstep. And that's yeah. just going to snowball into a bad situation. And that's where that's where I was. That's where Susie was and Tina and Marva. And, oh, boy. I, I just I could not see putting you through that, you know. But anyway, oh, my gosh. Right. I mean, I even remember one night, I think I was 
eight ish. I had a hard night. I had a hard time sleeping one night and came out and I don't quite remember what really led up to it, but I think at one point I had asked, you know, where where do babies come from? And by God, you sat me down with an encyclopedia. <laughs> Swear to God, you sat me down with an encyclopedia that happened to have a picture of a uterus in it. Yep. And I mean, I didn't grow up with nicknames for body parts. It was anatomic names. It was the correct terminology that I was raised with. And because that's how I was raised, that's the only way I really knew how to have the conversation. So when it came time for my children, there were no nicknames. There were no goofy names. It's a vagina. It's a penis. This is what they are. This is what happens. You know, this is where babies come from. And you know, this is what you should do if you're at a party, you know, watch your drink being made. If not, make your, make it yourself. Bring it with you everywhere you go. If you can't keep your eye on it, cover it. You know, very frank conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to do it. They're, you know, they're, they're going to yeah. be at parties. They're going to be in these situations. Exactly. My mother just decided that, you know, I was going to be a good girl my whole life. Well, hell, I was I was drinking beer and having parties with my friends at 13, 14 years old. And stuff can happen. Bad stuff can happen. Yeah. So, you know what? They're going to do it. All right. I would really rather you not. But if you're in this situation, watch your drink. Carry your drink with you. Never allow anybody near your drink. Don't let anybody make it. Don't anybody touch it. Nothing. Exactly. And if you're not sure, throw it out and get a different one. And you know what? I don't care what time it is. Call me. I will come and get you. We won't talk about it in the car on the way home. It's fine. Yep. And I've had those same conversations with my daughters uh, to the point of, I think, Rain, my older daughter, I'm not sure how many years ago it was, but her, uh, they were starting to talk about alcohol and drugs in school, you know, in the health class or whatever it was. And um, somehow the conversation of that came from school and came from home. And so she and I had a very impromptu conversation, somewhat in depth. And I actually led her out to uh, the garage refrigerator where I proceeded to grab a bottle of vodka, stick it in her face and say, smell this. It's clear. It looks like water, but smell it. And you will notice that it has an odor. Water does not. So if you were handed a clear glass of clear liquid and it smells funny, it's not water. Don't drink it. Mm-hmm. I think that's perfectly legitimate. Yeah, I didn't. I certainly didn't make her drink it, but I at least made her smell it. You know, right? Water. This is not how water smells. It looks like water. It acts like water. It's not water. Mm-mm. No, I know. Oh goodness. You know, it's it's sad and unfortunate that we have to do this with our children, but. You know, it's better to, you know, you probably said this at one point, but it's better to arm them with information than ignorance. So. Yep. And it's the know. right age. You know, yeah. years are, are 16 and 13. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was I was doing all that stuff at 13. Hell, I was smoking cigarettes at 13 and drinking because my parents weren't around. Nobody was home. I was home alone. So I'd go out with my friends. So 
it's it's that age that you have to do it. And oh my goodness, you have two of them. Oy, I have two. One. I have, and one of them is going to be seventeen here in a few months, which oh, means God. she'll be eighteen next year. Dear God, I'm not Stop ready for it. that at all. Oh. <laughs> How did I get in? 16-year-old grandchild at my age. I'm not that old lady. <laughs> I'm a young grandma. I love it when yes. I go to the grocery store with your children and everyone thinks I'm their mom. Oh, it's kind of awesome. Okay. Yeah. So we are going to take a break, and then we will come back with my daughter, the first daughter. Firstborn right here. And we're back. I have to have a break in there so I know when to put the music in. Gotcha. Right. So, next question. What will you be looking... uh, Let's see. Let me start again. What will you be doing in 20 years? Goodness gracious, I have no idea. (laughs) You're going to be in your 50s, by the way. I know. That'll be a weird concept. I mean, See, I'm in my 50s now. It's not that bad. No, I and I'm not saying it is. It'll just be a weird concept, you know. For a long time, I was just focused on getting to 30. I was so happy when I turned 30. I pretty much stopped caring at that point because my 20s were then over. Um, but oh, the 20s are hellish. Oh, oh, they they are. I'm sure for everybody else too. But mine were not fun. The only mm-hmm. good, you know, only two things came out of my 20s, and they're currently sitting upstairs. Uh, hopefully, one's doing our homework, and the other one's hopefully not pissing off the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so again, I only had one for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped at two for a reason. Bad enough, I'm already outnumbered. Uh, 20 years—that's uh, a long time. That is a long time. I mean, I certainly, you know, 20 years ago. I was what sixteen. I didn't. I had a very different image of my future twenty years ago. What was I that think, image? I think back then I was still thinking of becoming a veterinarian because I don't think I'm not sure if we had put Valley down quite yet. Um, hey, Valley, don't tell that story because I yeah, wanted to yeah. test you. Yep. So Valley was one of the two cats that my parents already had prior to my my birth, and uh, so I had literally known her my entire life. And uh, for gosh, I don't even know how many years I wanted so badly to grow up and be a veterinarian. And unfortunately, Val's health was very much starting to decline. So it was decided that uh, it would be in her best interest to euthanize her. And my mother specifically made sure that I attended her euthanasia to really test my resolve. And you know what? It worked so well that unfortunately, I could no longer become a veterinarian because it was very difficult being the first time actually witnessing a pet's death. And it was very, very hard, very heartbreaking. And I, at that moment, 
I made the decision that, you know, I just, I don't think I can choose a career where, unfortunately, this would be a regular part of it. And so at that point, I think I wasn't quite sure what direction as I continue to think about it. I don't think I quite knew what direction I really wanted to go. Uh, I certainly didn't see at the time being a mother of two, divorced, but in a very wonderful relationship now. I don't think I, I, I know I didn't see this because I think at the time I was convinced myself that I would never have children. And oh, I was convinced of it. <laughs> I know you were. I know you were. God damn it, you were right again because you kept saying it's different when it's your own. Mm-hmm. God damn it, my mother was right. Oh, I hate it when my mother's right. Oh, so annoying. I know. Why do you got to be right about stuff? I know we're older. <laughs> you're going to oh, be right about stuff, too, and your kids are going to be going, oh, darn it. I know, and I can't wait for that day so I can sit there and laugh maniacally. <laughs> like I do? <laughs> yeah, exactly like you do. And then I look at you like, told ya. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, you do, and I just kind of flick you off, and then we giggle about it. Yes, you do, and that's okay. Sorry, and I had that, to find my remote. I'm trying to navigate my bed while we're doing this interview. Okay, I was oh. trying to sew on buttons on an ear saver, so. <laughs> but my my needle is too big for the buttonhole. Oh. Like the, the physical hold in the actual button. Good heavens, are you using a nail? No, it's a yarn needle. Oh, oh, that's why. Because I'm, I'm okay. sewing with yarn. Okay, people don't even know about my past career yet. Oh. Yeah, well, I'll leave. I'll leave that to you. But I randomly decided. I'm not quite sure how many years ago. Three, four, something to that effect. I randomly decided one day that I was bored. Kylie, my younger daughter, was homesick. I, she was fine. I mean, well, she was ill, but still, she was resting or whatnot. And I got bored, decided to learn how to knit, and it just kind of took off as an obsession after that. Boy, did it ever! Yeah. I'm hey, not you a know what? It it's you know once you get the hang of it, it's surprisingly relaxing. It's what you're actually knitting is cooperating it's actually very relaxing just the repetitiveness and for some it might seem tedious but it's that constant repetition of you know purling and knitting and it just it helps you kind of get centered and just it's my Xanax actually it just kind of helps you know there might be things upsetting me or causing me stress and you know what in that particular moment there's nothing I can do about it so I need to calm down, so I'm just going to sit here and knit, and everything else can just go away for an hour while I just sit and knit, and it just, I don't know, it's, I find it to be very calming, and so after a few years of knitting, which I do still do, I decided I'm going to start to learn to crochet. Well, good. Yeah, because it's something new to do, something creative. I certainly have enough yarn. Good heavens, you do. Oh, my God. Uh, 
to help provide, I'm not quite sure how large my tub is, but I think it was the largest option at Walmart at the time. And it's literally bursting. I have so much hair in there. Oh, goodness. Okay, I, I can't talk. I've got fabric and notions that, oh, oh boy. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not going to get any judgment from you. No. I only get judgment from the children if I come home with new yarn. No, they can just hush. They can just hush because, you know what, now I'm actually working on something specific and I needed more of a particular, well, four particular colors. So I'm currently working on a granny square afghan for fun, honestly. Good. Yeah. And, and you know yeah. what, all of this relaxing activity, you get a product at the end of it. I do, and it, there's no technology. Ah, that was the other benefit. It's a, it, it provides me a method, which is so strange for a person in this day and age who wants to unplug. Well, you know what? Every now and then, you actually need to just need to unplug. Everybody can, you know, sit tight for a while while you just knit or crochet or work on some sort of tangible project. I don't know where my needle went. Um, and just relax. You know, it's so hard to relax nowadays because everybody's got to do this and everybody's got to go here and there. You know what? Just stop. Sit down and relax for a minute. It's okay to do it. Mm-hmm. It is. It's actually pretty essential. It is pretty essential, I think. Good. It's a good place to take a break. It is. And you get something cool at the end of it, like a massive collection of fingerless mitts. <laughs> like in my case. Yes. Or at, some, or at some point, a blanket. Yeah. And you made it. See, that's the greatest part about this whole crafting thing and sewing or knitting or crafting or quilting or scrapbooking. You have this thing that you made. See? Look at this. I made this. Isn't this awesome? I I made it and it serves a purpose. It keeps it my hands warm. Yeah. Yes. It, it'll keep me warm on a cold winter night. It's a good thing. It is a good thing. So where do okay. I see myself in 20 years? Probably knitting. <laughs> you, know, you know, who knows? Let's see, 20 years, I'll be 56. My oldest daughter will be... 36, so who knows, maybe I'll have grandchildren at that point, and I'll be knitting blankets for them. I don't know. God, that'll make me a great-grandmother. Yep. That could happen at any point, and it doesn't have to. True. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you and I are famous for going off on tangents. <laughs> and we're sober. <laughs> Oh, yes, unfortunately, that's true. Okay, um, so we're going to turn to daughters and how they look at their parents. Okay. We've gone over a little of this, but um, considering my predicament now, this is important to me. So do you think of your parents' decline and mortality? I do now. Um, you know, 
when I was a teenager, no, because as teenagers, we think we ourselves, as well as everybody else, is immortal and nothing bad is going to happen and we're all going to live forever and be fabulous. But then I became a parent. And my perspective on that matter started to change. And I started at that point becoming not only aware of my mortality, but my parents' mortality. And then as I started losing grandparents, that's when I really started to think about my own parents and dear Lord, you know, how is, oh boy. I mean, it's, it's unfortunately something I don't want to think about, but at the same time have to just to attempt to even be a smidgen prepared. I mean, there's no real way to actually be prepared for an actual significant decline in your parents' health to the point of them dying. But I, I do think about it more and more. Uh, as I get older, as my parents get older, and our own mortalities become more and more apparent. So, yes, I do think about it uh, quite a bit, actually. Yeah, I do, too. Only because, you know, you only have one grandparent left. In terms of biological grandparents, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, because Bob's mom and step stepdad are alive, but and have always been very kind to me. Oh, so. they're just the one most one. You know, I got so lucky with oh. mothers-in-law. Holy yes, cow, did. did I get lucky? Yes, you did. Very much so. Both of them, just absolute angels on earth. And your grandmother, oh God, I love that woman. Bless her heart. God rest her soul. I love that woman. And your grandfather. And he had no business liking me, and he did. Yeah. Well, oh, it was just a testament to their character. True. Very true. Yeah, I, I'll never forget your grandfather saying, you know, I wanted to know if it was safe to come over because I didn't want to upset your father's wife and God damn it, you're the mother of my grandchild and you're always welcome here, God damn it. (laughs) I want to put up with that shit. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. Oh, he's so cute. So cute. Oh, I loved him, too. He was just fun, fun, fun. Anyway, so if you could change one thing about your parents, what would it be and why? Oh, gosh. I really don't know how to answer that. I mean, just because of how you and dad and Bob are, I mean, it really, you know, each of you, while you all actively made it a point to really co-parent together, you still had very, you know, very different styles. And it well, he did. I mean, Dad was Dad was kind of at times more of a brother type than a father type, but he really knew how to pull the dad card. And if I got in trouble, I got in trouble. 
but at the same time, he knew how to make it fun. And, you know, we'd be goofballs. And there were times where even Grandma Gladys would have to throw looks at us to get us to knock it off. And <laughs> not even kidding. Some sort of family oh. dinner. We were picking on each other. And even Grandma Gladys, who is my great-grandmother, had to turn around in the car and give us a glare because we were being obnoxious. <laughs> As we do. You know, and you had your own style. Yeah, sometimes you were an Italian mom, but at the same time, you were there and you busted your butt and really tried. And we would have conversations about sex and guys and drugs and you know alcohol and it, like the conversations that a, a teenage girl really needs to have. And Bob would be there have conversations with as well and he'd kind of be like a calming force at times as a teenager as an adult he was the styles were slightly different but it all influenced the way that I was raised and as a result influenced the woman that I ended up becoming and the parent that I ended up becoming you know, yes, if my kids piss me off enough, yeah, they're going to get the Italian side of me. If it's bad enough. But it, it never a, took that much for me. <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, it takes a little bit more to get that side out of me just because of the Murphy influence that has always been there. It, they've always, you know, granted a lot of times it was more of a passive aggressive route but it was still calmer and sometimes sillier you know there's lots of times where I'll be a pain in the butt to the kids and kind of picking on them a little bit and they just kind of snap back going okay grandpa Greg mm-hmm. that's good though <laughs> you know there's so many memories that I have as a kid that you know god forbid you try to reattempt them now god I'd be arrested for child endangerment but <laughs> it was different well, in the eighties. <laughs> well, it was different in the eighties and even in the nineties, where you know, Dad would let me literally roll around in the bed of the pickup truck, which had a topper, by the way, while he'd be driving down Highway 100, oh. and I'm in the bed of the truck eating ice cream from that candy Byerly's. store, Byerly's with the wood shop, the chip shop, wood Woods chocolate shop, yeah, yeah, Byerly's. Yeah, you know, we'd we would make purposeful trips to go to Byerly's just to go to that store inside Byerly's to get a bowl of ice cream. And, yeah, sometimes he'd let me hang around in the bed of the pickup truck while he's driving on the freeway. Oh, God. <laughs> Dodging air molecules. So he's curving the vehicle back and forth. I'm literally rolling around like a pinball, eating my ice cream, laughing hysterically because it's fun. <laughs> I yeah, do that now. If I were to no. try to do that now, I would be arrested. <laughs> you would. <laughs> but, oh you know, there are, there are times where I'll have the kids in the car and they'll have their faces buried in their cell phones and there's no traffic. So, yeah, I might swerve the car a little bit back and forth. And one, if not both children, will actually raise their heads and look around <laughs> and be like, okay, Grandpa Craig, you dodging air <laughs> molecules? And I'll look back at them and say, yeah, they're kind of big. you got to be careful. They could cause damage. I don't know. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. 
like wet willies. You know. So no. I don't I don't I don't think I would change anything about my parents because I am who I am because of my parents. And as a result my children are who my children are and will be because of my parents and thus because of who I am and it just kind of continues. So I don't think I would change anything about my parents. Hmm. Well, that's good because it's a little late now. Well, that too. You know, why? I mean, yes, it's important to remember your past and remember mistakes so you can learn from them and not repeat them. But at the same time, the past is done. It's over. It's time to look forward at the possibilities that are before you and just keep going. You know, this this journey is not over yet, so we got to keep going. Yes, remember the past, but also look forward to the future. Well, uh, and uh, on that note, what plans do you have for your children? I mean, you're the only daughter that has children, so I can ask you this question. I would very much like for them to find something that they're passionate about. You know, there's they've kind of been playing with the idea of Kylie is my inventive child, my free-spirited child. Um, she's proclaimed, I want to go to beauty school. Okay. I know you've had conversations about this with grandma and how there's really no money in it, you know, unless you happen to find some amazing salon that you're able to work at. And then, you know, not that long ago, she proclaimed, I want to join the FBI. Okay, well, you have to go to college. You have to focus on your studies. You know, it's not just joining the FBI. You know, you really need to educate yourself and go to college and, you know, I, so I, that that's not a walk-on role there. You, no, you gotta, <laughs> that's a big yeah. deal. And but you know what? You could, you could. The FBI has a lot of different facets to it. So yeah. even if it was just explosives or psychology or cyber, cyber, oh my gosh, you could do a lot with absolutely the upper echelons of law enforcement like that. So yeah. I think that'd be kind of cool. It would be. I mean, it's not, you know, the FBI is not entirely comprised of, you know, criminal minds and the behavioral analysis unit and, you know, hunting down serial killers. There's a lot more to it. But, I mean, it's going to take work to get there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my hopes and plans for my children are, you know, I hope that they are able to find something passionate about that they can pursue and enjoy. You know, it's not work if you love it. You know, one of my dearest friends from high school, I remember him saying while we were in high school, I want to become a marine biologist. I want to do something with marine animals. And by God, he is a marine trainer for a sea world or some sort of something to that effect. And he declared his dream and by God, he made it happen. And good for him. I'm so happy for him. And I can only hope as a parent that my children will be able to do something to that effect for themselves, whatever that passion ends up being. If it's music, if it's FBI or some sort of criminal justice, if it's becoming a lawyer, I still tell Kylie to this day, girl, you need to 
go to law school because you love to argue. Oh, you, my God, does she ever. Oh, my God. God. She argues for the sake of arguing. And even if it's on the same side, she will still argue it. It's like, okay, you love this too much. <laughs> go to school oh. so people will pay you to argue for them. Yep. They'll pay you to do it. Yep. Oh, I think it. Oh, I would have made a great lawyer. I really. I know you. I love to argue. I just love it. Well, I love. I like to discuss. I I don't like to like argue if it's going to get heated. Then it's like okay, we've missed the point here. But I do like to discuss things that are not necessarily in my wheelhouse, as long as it's respectful. Absolutely. if, If we step out of the respect zone. Then I'm going to give you a few warnings, and after that, gloves are off, and I'm going to kill you. So, and I'm going to do it with a smile, because I warned you. So, fuck off. <laughs> and here I've been trying to watch my language, and then you go and grab an F-bomb. You're trying to do what? Watch my language. Oh, no, it's a podcast. This is an FCC broadcast, and there's always a, a warning in the beginning of the broadcast or my podcast that there may be language. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So I have to find my list because I keep wandering around the room. Um, Well, one, the question you're, are you planning to be a parent is clearly already been answered. So (laughs) yeah, I kind of answered that one almost 17 years ago. Technically 17 years ago, because 17 years ago I was already pregnant. Oh boy. Oh boy. So and here I have classmates currently having babies being born, which is very strange. I know. <laughs> well, and I I had a classmate that had her first and only child after your firstborn had arrived. Correct. That's weird. Yeah. That's very weird. Okay, so final question. Are you afraid of dying? I am to a degree. Um, I think more or less I'm worried that, you know, since none of us can actually predict the future, I think more or less I'm worried that it could unexpectedly happen too soon. You know, I do have children that are still under the age of majority and, you know, there's just so many things that you know, I haven't been able to experience with them. I haven't been able to see them experience. I haven't been able to experience myself. So I think it's more or less just worried that it'll happen too soon. I, I know that we all have a limited amount of time on this particular trip. Uh, I, I am a firm believer that you know, we don't necessarily make only one trip around. Um, Personally, I think I have kind of an old soul. I know my older daughter definitely has an old soul, if not older than mine. Yeah, she's been around a few times. She's been around. Whereas Kylie, that child, you can look her in the eye and tell she's brand spanking new. Yep. Um, But I think it's, you know, for this trip in particular, I would be worried that, you know, it, it could potentially happen too soon. You know, before I had kids, I, like any other teenager, I, well, I'm going to live forever, or at least for a very, very long time. 
and then you have kids and you suddenly become very much aware of your own mortality. I remember once upon a time, I wanted to learn how to ride a motorcycle and get my own motorcycle. And now that I'm older and more aware of my mortality, no. (laughs) Oh, hell no. (laughs) Nope. 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 And my significant other is I'm sure perfectly fine with that. Anything under four wheels is just not enough wheels for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, so I, I, I'm, I would be worried that it would happen too soon. You know, I, I do hope that someday when it's appropriate to be able to have grandchildren and to experience that joy and, you know, sharing experiences with them, maybe sitting down and, potentially teaching them how to knit or crochet. I remember, I'm not sure how young I was, but there was a particular summer that I was hanging out at Grandma Gladys' house every day. And at one point, she tried to teach me crochet. How to, and I, I kind of got it. It didn't look like anything but a blob of yarn with sequential knots in it, but I, I I have that memory, and you know I w- I would love to be able to do that with my own grandchildren someday. You know, to I mean knitting and crocheting is an art that's been around for centuries. Mm-hmm. Why not continue mm-hmm. it for another generation? Why not be able to share this knowledge with my own grandchildren someday, so they can make their own, or you know, just something we can do together. I don't know. No, it's, it's, I think it's pertinent. And, um, you know, you, you, all the listeners will find out now, but you and the girls lived with me for 11 years. And I remember, I guess, two years ago, perhaps. And, you know, I don't know, the girls were getting into something and grandpa was pissed off about something, whatever it was. And I'm like, I looked at him and I said, you know what, girls, here's the deal. This is all a big pain in the ass right now. But someday when I die and and then after the funeral and after everybody's left and you guys are sitting around with some sort of beverage, you're going to say, man, you know, remember when we were on the farm? Do you remember when we lived on the farm and all that stuff we did and Grandma and Grandpa were such a pain in the ass, but man, we had a lot of fun and we were running around. We had bikes mm-hmm. and we were doing skeet shooting and archery and we had all the quads and we had race trucks and we had mud trucks and we had all this yeah. stuff to do. And man, that was great. And I said, that's the only legacy I want to leave with you is that you had a good time. Yeah. And yeah, we were disciplinarians and we yelled at you and we made you do chores. And blah, 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 and all this stuff. But you also, I want you to be able to look back on the time that you had living on the farm with us as it was a it was a good time. Exactly. I mean, I have my own memories with, you know, my grandparents, especially with you know, Wayne and Joyce Murphy. We would, so many times during the summer, would go on camping trips. You know, just weekend little, you know, jots down the road maybe about an hour and a half out of town 
cute little campground and, you know, throw up the pop-up camper. And as soon as I'd get done and released from helping set up camp, off to the pool I'd go. But, you know, still just the memories of going with my grandparents and hanging out on these trips, hanging out at the house, being a little girl, and my grandfather, my Marine grandfather, who was in the Corps for, what, 20 years, 20 give or take? some odd years. Yeah, he was a lifer. And this, you know, rough and tough Marine was nothing compared to his granddaughter. And his granddaughter wanted to play with his hair with clips and barrettes and brushes and things. He, By God, he would sit there and let her do it. <laughs> that's what you do with your grandchildren. She wants to play with your hair, you let her play with her hair. At least she's staying out of trouble. No, he absolutely oh, adored he you. He oh, did. the sun and the earth and the moon rotated because you said it should. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I would love to have something like that with my own grandchildren someday. Or, you know, being able to, you know, see my children graduate high school, graduate college, maybe get married someday. You know, things like that. I know it sounds kind of cliche, but no, there's nothing wrong with being a little cliche and cheesy every now and then. Because as a parent, these are things I would love to have my children experience, to find that special person and build a life with that person and watch them flourish and grow and kick ass while they do it with a smile on their face and a glint in their eye. Because, you know, when Murphy's eye, when Irish eyes are smiling, you know, they're up to something and <laughs> God damn it. Do it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so, what all—that's what all parents want for their children. Exactly, and you know what? I'm no different. And you know, I—I I, I would be sorry and sad if my time came sooner than expected, and I had to—I unfortunately would have to miss out on that. So it's—it's it's more of a a concern, a worry that it might happen sooner than. I would like and not, you know, I would much rather it be at a time where, you know what, it's been good, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's been good. Mm -hmm. They're good. Everything's good. All right. It's, it's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just never know. We don't. Yeah, I know. That's, that's a tough one. I think about that now. I mean, my parents are, are elderly. I mean, so they're probably going to be, well, mom's 88 now, so she'll probably be, I don't know if she'll hit 90. Dad just passed at 88. Yeah. So, um, you know, and that bodes well that there is some longevity on at least my side. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want it to happen soon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know... I'm going to die someday. I just don't want it to happen soon. Because, like, I, yeah, I just, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to see. And I've warned my children that if certain if certain of my mom-isms make it on my epitaph, I'm coming back and haunting them, mm-hmm. moving their furniture so they trip on it in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, do you believe in ghosts? I do. I do believe in ghosts. I do believe in spirits. Um, I've had my own experiences with, family members actually so because when we lived 
As I have, when you and I had the house in St. Louis Park, we had good old Uncle Frank kind of keep an eye out. Mm, Yes, we did. Yeah, he saved our house from being burned down once. That's That's always something I think of. And uh, while I was with my ex-husband, while we were still married, uh, my great-grandmother took it upon herself to follow me around everywhere I went until I came back home. And she mysteriously went away. Yep. Her her business was done now. And mm-hmm. what's very interesting is she died when I was not even quite nine years old. And then here I am married in my very early 20s. And something's following me because no matter where we lived, there was something there scaring the shit out of him and just annoying the crap out of me. And it just, came, you know, as the years went by, it just became more intense until finally maybe she had a hand in it, very well could have. But suddenly, you know, the frontal lobe kicked in and the lights turned on. It's like, all right, time to go. And off I went. And there she went. She was no longer around. So, okay. That was cool. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. And then at the farm, you know, who knows what's been in and out of there since, you and Bob bought the farm. Okay. That comes out so wrong every time I say that. When you guys bought the property. Yes. Um, you know, that's, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows in terms of spiritual activity. We've been fortunate enough that despite all of our experiences, thankfully none of them have been malice in any way or anything like that. So that's been fortunate. Yeah. They seem to just be curious. Hanging out. Yeah. yeah, you know, Frank and Lorraine just kind of hung out and made sure everything stayed okay. And then who's ever been popping by the farm is just kind of curious. Okay, that's interesting. All right, off I go. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know who it is or who they are. If there's more than one, I was interested to find out from Marva quite accidentally that she saw one in the house when she was here at some point. Oh really? Yeah, in the middle of the night, you have to listen to her podcast because I had absolutely no idea that this had happened. I'm like, what? <laughs> She's like, yeah, he was in the living room. And I'm like, I'm going to bed now. <laughs> like, what? Holy cannoli. Yeah, she said that she saw some somebody in the living room in the middle of the night. She's coming out of the bathroom and bright light, and then it just went black. And I was like, oh, okay, they don't illuminate for me. No. <laughs> so, yeah, isn't that something? I mean, Frank would kind of do his flybys and photographs, but that was about it. Yeah, I wish I could find that photograph. Oh, there was more than one. Oh, man, that was just weird. Yeah. And, you know, what, what was it, my 30th birthday weekend bash, Sue and Timmy came down and she got visited by Bud. Yeah, the cat. Excuse me. Yeah, the cat. Yeah, that's in Marva's episode, too. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. The the cat jumping on the bed. That still happens. Oh, it's Bud. Yeah, it's Bud. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. So this wasn't so bad. No, it's not. We will be uh, calling upon the daughters for their wisdom and input because you know 
we old ladies don't have everything figured out. And good heavens, things are changing all the time. Oh, my God, are they ever. And we don't know what all the latest jargon is and what it all means. And oh, yeah. It changes all the time. I swear. The kids yeah. come up with something new every day. It's like, what? I just what? got used to the other one. Now what's this one? <laughs> oh. So now you know how I feel. <laughs> First, you can't keep track of things, it. and I don't even know what they say now. It's like, what? Oh, one of my favorites that I always gave Rain shit for was sauce me this. What do you mean sauce? It's something you put on stuff. What? Are you, what? what are you talking about? Sauce <laughs> me that. What? Hand it to me. Okay, just say that, damn it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not going to sauce you anything. Sauce is what I put on spaghetti. Yes, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's it it's the more things change, the more they stay the same. Oh yeah, it's just something. It's just a different version. Yeah, you is. had music to drive your parents crazy. I had music to drive you crazy. Now my children mm-hmm. have music that, well, some of it drives me crazy. And other songs and sources of music is quite refreshing because it's classic rock. Thank you very much. Oh, see, you're raising them right. I am raising them right. Damn it. A little ACDC and yep. Molly Hatchet and Kylie. Floyd. Kylie herself has picked out T-shirts that are ACDC, Def Leppard, Pink Floyd. You know, I think there might even be a Metallica and or Led Zeppelin. You know, mm-hmm. one of my favorite music reference stories, and I'll never forget this, and it just makes me laugh every time. I was sitting at the farm. We hadn't moved out yet, and I had... Both children with me were sitting on the couch watching something on TV. Uh, Rain might be able to remember what it was. But anyway, she randomly goes, who's who's Jeremiah? I start laughing. I'm like, well, actually with a straight face, I'm like, he was a bullfrog. Rain turns to me and is like, what? Kylie, on her own, starts singing it. Thankfully, I was smart and posted it on Facebook. And the reason why I say that is because it now comes up on my memories every year. And I cry laughing every time. Every single time. And I even put in the post, Kylie has won this round. Yes. (laughs) That's so awesome. I will never forget it. Oh, yeah. There's there's hope. Oh, my God. Who's Jeremiah? Well, he's a bullfrog. And then Kylie started singing it. That's awesome. Oh, I'm happy for that. Well, good. So go check on your children. I will. I don't hear any screaming, so I'm hoping no noise is good noise. Mm. You know, they're at that age where no, no. if you can't hear anything, it might be a good thing. Yeah, that means they're not arguing. Yeah. Again, I had one for a reason. <laughs> I can. I stopped it too for a reason. <laughs> factory's gone. Yes, it's closed. No it more. Is. All right, my dear. Well, I'll let you go. Thank All you right. for yeah. your time. And we will be calling upon you periodically here and there for your opinions. Okay, dokie. And um, I'll talk to you later. All right. Sounds good. All right. Good night. Good night. See you. Love you. Bye. See you. Love you. Bye. You've been listening to I'm Not That Old Lady. 
I really appreciate you allowing me to spend some time with you. And please reach out, give me an email, or, or contact me at I'm not that old lady at yahoo.com. Let me know. I mean, are we way off base? Is there a subject you want us to discuss? We are here for you. Thank you again. And next episode, we will be hearing from Mary, Susie's daughter. And just to be clear, Annette is not the only one that has children. I don't know what I'm thinking. I was there for the birth of one of Mary's. She has three, so we'll come to that agreement. <laughs> she, d- I don't know what's wrong. Sorry. <laughs>